Hello. Hi, everyone. Exciting. We are gearing up for the holidays. At least I am because the cookies are coming. Let's just say that. She says it's realistic for a man making $200,000 a year to buy her a $500,000 car. Hmm, How does that work? We're going to hear from her in her own words. That is your title today. Let me tell you what we're going to talk about. And then I'm going to tell you who the show is brought to you by today. Amazing partner of mine. But first, what are we going to do today on this show? So I'm going to react to women who are discussing their expectations from men, not just when it comes to bills, but when it comes to the house and when it comes to the car. The car is the sweet spot. Truly unbelievable tone deafness you're about to hear. I'm also going to react to Andrew Tate. He talks about how men and women parent differently. (laughs) And I just, as he was talking, saw a lot of components of my own home I was like, wow, is he in my house? Can he see us? Because that's how accurate it was. I think it's some great points. Also makes the point of why it's really important to have a mom and a dad in the home for that balance. He also talks about the dangers of kids being raised by screens. And that's a topic that, as you know, I'm very passionate about. We're going to dig into that a little bit. Emirata. You know Emirata? Remember, she became famous being naked in the Blurred Lines video. Well, she's saying now that her body is not an object. Who knew? Oh, recent revelation. She has a conversation with one of our faves, Drew Afualo, and I'm going to cover that. We're going to talk about what she says, and then we're going to take a little peek at her Instagram to see if she's actually living what she's saying. I'll give you a couple of guesses as to whether that's true or not. Mm-hmm. James Cameron. Remember we talked about how James Cameron a couple of weeks ago was saying testosterone is toxic? Well, he's, he's still going. Now he's claiming that showing pregnant women as hunters and warriors in Avatar is a step forward for female empowerment. Let's talk about that. And of course, I have to do my Matrix segment where I'm going to update you on an Orwellian climate change rule that has just been instituted. It's being instituted now in Britain. And we're going to show you how the World Economic Forum is up to something. And those talking points, they're just disseminating everywhere. And now it's being instituted in some places. It's a mobility rule, people. It's a mobility rule to prevent you from moving around as you freely desire. Wait till we get to that. First, let me tell you, today's show is brought to you by Aura. I know I've been talking to you a little bit about Aura here and there. By the way, since discussing Aura with you, and Aura, remember, is identity theft protection, fraud monitoring, a VPN, password management, and antivirus software all in one. Since talking about uh, them on the show, they have actually flagged three different purchases for me that were over the limit that I set. They keep a very close eye on what I'm doing, which I love because they're out to protect me. If somebody makes a purchase and it's not me, I can see that and immediately act on it as opposed to things, you know, going from A to Z. I don't even know. All of a sudden your identity is stolen. It's a nightmare. Aura is there to protect you. Identity theft, by the way, is so common. I did not know this, that there's a new victim every 14 seconds and it costs the average victim over $1,000. Now I signed two of my friends up for Aura and since doing that, they have found that they had over 60 of their passwords. Their passwords were on the, on the dark web over 60 times, over 60 times. So that was incredibly concerning and dangerous to them. They're very glad that they found Aura. So let me tell you a little bit about it. It's super easy to use. It's very, very user-friendly. I'm not tech-savvy, as you may have noticed, and I'm able to navigate it. I actually love it. They send the alert to my phone. I see what's going on. I can just immediately say, oh, that's something I bought. If it's not, I can immediately say, oh, I got to take action. I got to call financial institutions. Something shady's going on. They monitor the dark web for your emails, your passwords, your social security numbers. 
and they send alerts right to your phone if something's going down that doesn't look right. If someone opens a credit card in your name or sends you a real-time alert, the VPN also lets you stay anonymous online. We all talk about how privacy is dead. Mm -hmm. They know it. They're on top of it. By keeping your browsing history and your personal info safe and encrypted. And y'all know I talk about the system a lot, the death of privacy. Aura is a partner that I chose because I'm passionate about those things. Now, if you go to Aura.com backslash Jedediah, and we're going to list that for you in the description, you can sign up right now with my link, and it'll give you a two-week free trial to see how many times your passwords show up on the dark web. And if you sign up, by the way, I want you to comment. You can send me a message on Instagram. You can send me a message right below this video. I want to know how many times it was found. Believe me, you're going to be very lucky that you are partnered with a group like this. I'm telling you, man, it's been, it's been very satisfying. I myself had had my credit card stolen a couple of times. It's very stressful. It's very chaotic. I had a friend who had her identity stolen. It took her years to get her life back. You don't want that to happen to you, and you don't want to lose money, right? All of a sudden, money starts. You're like, oh, it cost me 1000 bucks. People don't have 1000 bucks to spare right now, unfortunately. Joe Biden's president. You know how it is. Okay, moving on. So, again, aura.com backslash Jedediah. Don't forget. All right, now let's get into these, these modern women. Fascinating stuff. I, I turn on this video, and I'm like, okay, let's see how... Let's see how much sense they make in terms of what they actually want. And is it realistic? Because oftentimes you hear these terms, modern women will say, oh, it's just, this is the more realistic option. And you're like, how, on what planet, honey, is that realistic, what you're asking for? So let's start with 631. By the way, Malik is here. He's here. He's back. I didn't scare him away yet. He's going to be managing the chat. So super chats, get on in there. Comments, questions, we want to hear from you. I'm going to be checking back a few times throughout the show. All right, 631. Let's start with that and let's see what she says. Okay. I think 50-50 is definitely acceptable, and that's what I'd enjoy. I wouldn't enjoy feeling like someone has to take care of me. I don't like relying on people or men or really anyone for money. I think that's totally just unacceptable. I don't That's just oh. how I was raised. Okay, so let's pause that because then we're going to get into someone who has a very different opinion on that, on that uh, segment. Just the tone right there. First of all, that's the training. That's the training. That's a woman who's been trained by the modern era. It's scary to her. It's uncomfortable for her to lean on a man for financially. That's what you're trained to say and to feel. Um, that's what ha people told me that my, my whole life growing up. Oh, it's too dangerous. You never know. He could leave you and then what? You're left with nothing. You know, you're like basically rattled, you know, before you even get into the job market. You're like, I got to do this. I got to do that. You know, it's just, oh, they do that to you, of course, you know, to incentivize the loneliness and not leaning on, you know, man not leaning on woman, woman not leaning on man. You know what they do. So what's interesting to me is she says that she wouldn't want to rely on someone who feels like he has to take care of me. That's not how it is in a relationship that's positive. The man doesn't feel like, oh, I have to take care of her. No. He wants to do that. He wants to provide for you in an ideal relationship. That is what that dynamic looks like. He's not like going to work every day thinking like you're an ingrate, like, oh, I got to take care of her. And she's a no, that is what he sees his role to be. And by the way, in that relationship, there is a give and take. So it's not like you're taking and taking and taking. Maybe financially he's carrying that load, but you're doing other things right? You're contributing in different ways because again, men and women are different. We bring different things to the table. We have different needs in terms of what we want out of a work-life balance. We have different wants in terms of what we want our life to look like. So this idea that you can't lean on a man, I would ask her though, you say 50-50. Okay. So the money has to be 50-50, 50-50, 50-50. Okay. So let's say you have a kid 
and your husband starts to make, make more money, right? He starts, say he's making $100,000 initially, which is a good salary. We all know that. Let's say he starts making $200,000 now because it's got to be 50-50. Do you have to now? You got to compete with him. You got to get that $200,000 salary so that you can compete everything 50-50, 50-50. What if he starts making $300,000? Now you got to go get that job so everything's 50-50. Is that what you're saying? Because that wouldn't make any sense. Also, do you want husband and wife competing in a household like that? And if that is, in fact, the reality that you want, who's taking care of the kid? Where is that kid? Daycare? Looking at a screen all day long? With the nanny who you, you know, don't really know? What's going on there in that dynamic? Is there something wrong, we should ask ourselves, with a dynamic where you have these two parents who are competing essentially with each other in the house, making more money, and then the woman feels like, well, I got to make more money. Is that what you're talking about? I would also ask her, does everything have to be 50-50? So if you're saying financially 50-50, that's what you're comfortable with because you can't lean on a man. That's what makes you comfortable. Okay, well, is the cooking 50-50? Is the childcare 50-50? Is the laundry 50-50? Is cleaning the house 50-50? This is ridiculous. This is a ridiculous way to look at a relationship. Men and women are different, and we will naturally gravitate toward different things. We will naturally want to do different things. You take a look at, you know, 10 men and 10 women. Tell me in those households who is more likely to be organizing, to be fixing up the closets, to be wiping the countertops down, and who is more likely to be focused on where the next dollar's coming from, the next $100, the next $100,000. It's just that we're different. We're wired differently, so we gravitate toward different things. Why not embrace that? Why not embrace that reality that we are different and allow men and women to bring different things to table and be comfortable leaning on each other in different areas? I don't need my husband to organize the house I don't need that. First of all, it brings me great joy to do it. And I'd be very upset if I went home and he was organizing because that's something that brings me peace. Secondly, he's not as good at it as I am because I like to do all the cleaning. I like everything to be neat, the closets. You know how it is. Women are different. I also don't want to be up sitting at night looking at the analytics and the financial component of my channel and getting all embedded and stressed out. Have fun, babe. <laughs> you do you. You do you for us. Okay, so I, I just think it's interesting that this 50-50, this it's, like, it's like the talking points get away from them, and I, I will guarantee you that she's going to meet somebody, and if she establishes that situation where it is 50-50, miserable. She's going to be miserable, because that's not what a marriage should look like. Not everything's 50-50. We're different. Men and women are different. We bring different things to the table. Embrace it, or your relationship's going to suffer. Okay. Let's go to 706. Now you have a woman that expresses something different. She says she ideally would like to be a stay-at-home mom. She's very upfront about that. And then she's asked about what she wants her life to look like, the specifics. And we're going to play two different clips that are related on this. Let's go to 706 first, Malik. Your ideal lifestyle. Okay. So thinking about a house, how many bedrooms, how many square feet, what are we thinking? Um, I mean, I don't need anything, you know, crazy spacious, but I definitely do want a big enough home where everybody can have their own, you know, individual selves and space to feel comfortable. So just depending on lifestyle and family, at least three to four bedrooms for sure, two full baths because, God forbid, there's more than one girl in the house. That'll be drama. Um and definitely like a big backyard so at least five acres you know to roam on is what i aspire to have and then square footage on a house i really don't even know how to like scale something like that i don't like four to five thousand square feet maybe okay. what you describe sounds close to that like the, if i need to go bigger obviously you know we'll go we'll go bigger and that's no question but just a nice comfortable size home okay and 
Jackson, how many kids do you want? Um, two or two to three. Okay. You know, two boys and a girl would be ideal. Okay. And what about a car? I know you like Mm. cars. (laughs) Yeah. If it, if it could be anything, you know, if it's my dream, it'd probably be a Pagani BC, which is like a hypercar, but I don't even know what that is. Oh my gosh. (laughs) They're so sexy. So that would be How much is that car? I don't even know. Probably at least like 1.5 mil for sure. Oh my At God. least. I don't okay, even so know. Okay, so what about what about not the dream car, but something uh, more realistic that yeah, I would yeah, that yeah. I would get. Um, just to give us a ballpark, like yeah. a kind of range. Maybe like yeah, some sort of like F12 Ferrari, like an A12 <laughs> Superfast would be super cool, or maybe like a 458. Okay. Um, How much are those? Would like be ideal. 80. No, those are probably uh, depending like. 300,000 to 525k. Okay, let's pause it before we lose our minds. I know you're at home like, Jed, come on. Come on. These women aren't real. They are. They are. It's Courtney Ryan's channel, I'm telling you. And we've seen that woman before, by the way, in other clips. So she starts off reasonable. It sounds like she's saying, you miss the part where she says she wants to be a stay-at-home mom because I don't want to play too long of a clip. But she says she wants to be a stay-at-home mom, which is important context because she's not, she's comfortable not making the money so all of this stuff she's talking about is going to have to be paid for by her husband okay starts off reasonable she's talking about you know three or four bedrooms you're like all right if you got two kids this makes sense five acres is is a lot of land honey i don't know where you're you're living but montana some i don't know i'm not gonna judge but five acres is a lot of land four to five thousand square feet you're looking at a nice size house okay then she gets to the car I was like, I was really following along until the car came. And first she says that the car that she, in her dream world, $1.5 million car. Anybody at home driving a $1.5 million car? In the chat, let me know. I don't have a $1.5 million car, nor do I want one. But let me know if you're just chilling in your, you know, three or four bedroom house with a $1.5 million car. (laughs) She says that. Courtney Ryan checks her and says, okay, Maybe something a little more realistic. She's like, okay, in her words, she says, all right, something more realistic. Then she, ta- she mentions a Ferrari. Is that more realistic? And it turns out that car is three to 500 grand. That is a more realistic option. Okay, so I'm sitting listening to this. And at first I'm like, well, this, she's lost her mind. Then I said to myself, well, maybe she's decided she's only going to marry a very, very, very rich guy. Right, that's the only thing that makes sense here, right? You're going to marry a really rich guy and you're going to have all the stuff. And for her, it's a car. Okay, so I listen a little bit more. Hmm. And I get to 2103. Let's go to 2103, Malik, and let's, let's hear what, what, what does this guy make that she's talking about? Mm-hmm. Wait for it. His income ideally be like half. What would it have to be to support this life? (laughs) Which is so funny because I saw this video the other day where it was saying like, if your wife can spend more than you make, like you need to make more money. So it really just depends. Um, But I mean, just to have like a really decent lifestyle and and, you know be supported well, like one hundred and fifty, maybe to two hundred fifty thousand a year, it would be comfortable okay sure so 150 to 200 not saying it's not a a good salary 150,000 to 200,000 dollars a year is gonna buy you you're gonna have five acres a four to five thousand square foot house you didn't get the part about the luxury vacations we left that out but that's in there too 
and a car that's three to five hundred thousand dollars for that one car so welcome to the female delusion okay welcome to the female delusion because what what they should really just be honest and say don't lie here in the second part you were being honest for a while honey you were laying it all out you wanted the five acres this that the car maybe 1.5 mil if you could swing it hubby that would be a really good Christmas gift. You were being honest. And then you realized that you were being asked about salary and you had to shrink a little bit and be like, well, I can't say a million plus a year. I can't because I was on a panel a few weeks ago where I was checked and they reminded me that that's a very teeny, teeny, teeny percentage of the male population. So I'm just going to say something that sounds fair, 150 to 300. 150 to 300 is not getting you all that stuff. And here's where women lie. Because they want all the stuff, but when you ask them about the salary, they make it, you know, one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars. Which, yes, it's a very good salary, but it's still within reach for some people. They can they can visualize that, right? Say you're making sixty, you can even see, okay, if I worked really hard, you can see that that's on the map somewhere, right? That's not what they want. These women are lying. <laughs> They're lying. And if you want all that stuff, honey, you're looking at $500,000 a year plus salary is what you're looking at. Because you're not on $150,000 a year if you've got two to three kids, like you said, and you're not working, which is fine. You chose not to do that. That's totally fine. And you've got the five acres and the four to 5,000 square foot house and the luxury vacation. He's not buying a half a million dollar car for one car. Because you know, in a house like that, you're going to need two cars probably. So just be realistic about what you want. This is, and also you have to ask, like, I know she's young. I don't know. She's like 25, something like that. But do these women like live in a box before? Like you, you have no sense of finances that you, you don't even realize, no sense of self-awareness that you don't even realize that you're saying these two things juxtaposed in the same clip, $500,000 car and a $150,000 salary? explain what's going on in the wiring in your own brain some wiring's been mismatched is all i'm gonna say all right we're gonna check in with the chat after the next topic so get on in there and let us know by the way i want to know does anybody have a a car that's a million and a half and if you do how much money do you make if you wouldn't mind sharing because my guess is a lot because that's only one thing that you own unless you live in the car i guess maybe you could live in the car and do everything in the car. I don't know, man. I'm not a car girl. Not my thing. All right, let's talk about Andrew Tate. And then once we do the Tate reaction, I'm going to get to Malik for the chat. So just be aware. Okay. So Andrew Tate did this clip. He recently did an interview. um, And he was talking about men and women and how men and women parent very differently. He also talks about screen time and what's concerning to him about these kids staring at screens all day long. You know that's an issue that I care about deeply. But listen to what he says. And listen, don't jump, ladies in the chat, instead of leaping to defend yourself, just listen, because truly I'm convinced now, does this man have like a camera into my home or something? Let's just listen. Uh, 201, we're going to go to Malik. Terrible at raising kids. They're, they're, they have the patience for it. They're patient. So they're good at, with the screening. They're good with that. But they are terrible with discipline, with basic rules. If, if a three-year-old is around his dad or three-year-old is around me, no crying, no crying, no crying. Okay, no crying. Good, sit. I'm hungry. Then go get some food. I'm not going to get it for you. Go get. Go 
make them go do it themselves. Learn. The woman's like, oh, okay, you want food? Here, you want this? Here, you want a screen? Here, here. Oh, he's crying. Give him this. They're just constantly babying. I know it's a baby, but they're babying the child so much. If, if, if I had a child, I don't have any. Let me keep the number down to zero for this one. If I, let's say, but if I had a child and they were to say, oh, I want, I'm, and they're crying, and the mom said, give him the iPad, I say, no. Oh, but he's crying. Let him cry. Guess what happens? As, as, he ain't going to die. Let him cry until he realizes that crying doesn't work. It's amazing that children can learn around one parent that crying doesn't work and around one parent that crying that completely works. I have, I've seen kids be around their father and never cry and around their mother cry nonstop. They, they're not stupid. They know what works. doesn't work with me. You can sit there in silence. Here, play with the fucking toy. Give, have him that. Give him a truck to play with. Done. Okay. I would give my... Now, you know his delivery is what it is, right? He's got his own energy. But he's, this is so on the money. And this is, there's a larger point here about why it's so important to have mom and dad in the home. And I thought of my own house. And I remember, I don't know if, you, if any of you know about sleep training, but essentially it's getting your baby to sleep in his own room or her own room, whatever, boy or girl, whatever, without screaming through the whole night. And you have to kind of train them that the crying is not going to get your attention, well, my husband decided when we had Hartley, he was like, it's time. You know, he needs to grow up. I'm like, what do you mean? He's a little baby. That's my baby. I did exactly what Tate's saying in the video. Oh, I had to leave the house when the sleep training was happening. My husband was fine. He was like, he's fine. He's been changed. He had his bottle. All is good. He's just crying because he knows he's going to get to you. I had to leave the house. I would leave for a couple hours and I would come home. And do you know in a day or a day and a half, the child was fine, wasn't crying in the crib anymore, but I, being the mom and being a female, had a very empathetic emotional reaction to my child crying that my husband was like, he needs to learn. And I've learned that that dynamic exists in many areas. Maybe you have kids, maybe you don't. But it's absolutely essential to have that balance of energy. My kid even knows when he starts crying for something, daddy's like, no, no, comes running over to me, but mommy mommy and I'm like babe just give it to him for a little maybe just like maybe 20 minutes he could because he's got me whipped he's got me whipped that child sized up a room and he was like she's the weak one go for her he does it all the time he does it all the time so I think it's interesting and I think it's important to recognize that a dad is not a mom and a mom is not a dad. And he opens the segment talking about how women have this patience, right? Can listen to the screaming and go, we're different. Guys sometimes can't. They're like, oh God, you know, we are different, which is why men and women and moms and dads complement each other. And if you remove one from the home, there is a consequence to that. That child doesn't get that balance of masculine, feminine energy of mom and dad who bring very different things to the table. So now imagine a house where there is no dad to be that disciplinarian, where there is no father figure to do those things to kind of train you that you can't just, you know, get away with whatever you want, that there are rules. Or imagine a house where there wasn't that mom that had that patience or that nurturing energy or that soothing energy if that child has a cold or a sick or whatever it may be. There will be something missing. And this is something that the matrix doesn't like you to talk about because in order to talk about this, you have to be willing to acknowledge the reality that men and women aren't the same and they can't have that. So this is a very important clip, even though it seems funny and entertaining and you're like, okay, I get it. it it's actually deeply important because it, it keys into one of the main things that's under attack now. 
And that's the traditional family. And he, he's keying into one of the big reasons why it's so important. Okay, he also talks about screens. I just want to play that quickly because it's, and then we're going to get to chat. So first of all, hit that subscribe button. Do it now. Merry Christmas to Jed. Hit that like button. Yay. See, we put it up there so easy. Just boom, there, right there. And um, get in that chat because I'm going to want to read those chats right after we play this uh, important component about screens because we talk about the matrix. Here it is. Let's do it, Malik. 203. Have you seen the, this like phenomenon where you go out to restaurants and like the family will sit down and then they sit a screen down in front of the child with headphones and then, the, you know, the kids just sit in there watching some bullshit on the screen. I don't know if that happens where you live, but it, but that really bothers me. Like there's a few times where I've wanted to get up and say something, but it's like, you know, I just bite my tongue. I'm like, you know what? It's not, you know, it's not your place. Just let them, let them do what they're going to do. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, this is the problem. Most parents don't realize they don't even raise their children anymore. The Matrix raises their kids. Right. The Matrix raises their kids because their kids spend all day at school and then all the rest of the time on screens digesting shit that you don't even know what it is and you can't control. Mm -hmm. So all of the ideas inside of the child's mind is no longer the ideas of the parents. The parents can no longer influence their own children. So now what are you going to do? This means that if the school or the matrix or the entertainment systems or YouTube decide something's true, they'll pump it in your kid's brain until your kid believes it's true. You're going to end up arguing with your own child about ideas because your child's going to say, but they told me that at school and they told me that on YouTube. You're wrong. You're old. You don't understand. Your own kids are not going to think like you because you're allowing the matrix to raise them. It's yeah. insanity. So, and this, this is a, a deep problem. And I know you've all seen it. You've been at a restaurant, you've been at a, wherever it is, and you look over at a table and you'll see, and I've seen this myself, mom, dad, kids, and sometimes the kids just have the screen just planted up and that's how they eat. And they're just staring at this screen. And parents act like, like, well, what, what am I going to do? And I remember actually when I drove down to Florida from New York it was a long drive. We made a bunch of stops. We stayed in some hotels. Um, I refused, by the way, to get on a plane because I refused to put a mask on my child. And Hartley had been, he was over two years old. And they were going to force me at the time to put a mask on him. And I was like, uh, that's not happening. So we're going to drive. I'm not playing your games, Matrix. I was, I was out on that. So we drove. And I remember um, another mom saying to me, oh, just get an iPad and just leave it on the whole time. And I thought, mm, I think I'm going to pass. I don't think so. And you know what he did? He played with little toys. He read books. And he was fine. Yeah, occasionally he got a little irritated. And we'd pull over to the side of the road and let him run around, stop at a local playground, and let him have an hour, get all the energy out. And he'd pop right back in the car and go to sleep. And parents, do, like, I don't understand. what what. Don't you realize that when we were younger, we didn't have these devices? We lived. We survived, right? So the fact that these exist now are creating this addiction for these kids where they don't know how to exist without them, it's up to you to be the parent. What he's saying about the matrix is key here. Look at some of the cartoons that are out there right now. We did a scan and I, I couldn't believe how much propaganda was in these cartoons about certain medical treatment <clears throat> that we saw emerge the last couple of years that was forced. Oh, all these beautiful like, oh yeah, you gotta do this, you gotta do that, the shot is good. Oh yeah, it's gonna make you protect you all through the cartoons. You see the stuff going on with gender and Disney and gender neutral this and that. I mean, it's the cartoons have been propagandized. And then you send your kid to school and they're looking at screens. What are they watching all day? What are they doing? What is on those screens? Do you take the time to look at it? Do you have the time to look at it? Then you send your kids to daycare. Then you send your kids to, to school all day long and it's propaganda. 
So are you ultimately raising your own kids? You have to make it your priority. And if those screens are in their hands, in their face all the time, they grab the phone, they do this, they're looking around. These kids are very quick. They learn so fast, faster than, than we do. And what, what are they getting out of that? Plus, it's not good for their brains. You can do a lot of research and look at the studies on that. It's not good for brain development in children to be on these devices, which may be indicative of why we're running into some problems developmentally with children right now. Let them, let them play with sticks like outside. Remember hopscotch? I mean, things were, were simpler back then, and I know we weren't technologically advanced, but you know what we did? When we were at the dinner table, we talked to each other. We looked into each other's eyes. There was a certain decorum, a certain kind of manners you had to have. You had to, patience was learned. Very dangerous stuff going on. All right, let's get to the chat. Chat, I'm coming for you. Malik, we got some in the chat? Oh, we got a good amount, actually. Oh, yeah, let's go for it. Yeah. First <laughs> one from Raymond Mitchell, $10. Hey, Jed, what are your thoughts on men in their 30s and 40s going overseas to date, marry, and have families with women who have more traditional values, a.k.a. the passport bro movement? Yeah, I've heard a lot about that. I think you just need to be, listen, to each his own. But I saw a thread about that I'm going to cover uh, in one of the upcoming shows, which was warning guys that some women may be doing that to like get, you know, access to certain things, uh, certain financial stuff and may have it in their minds that they're not in it for the long haul. So here's my advice. Take your time and really, really make sure that the person that you're investing in is investing in you. I don't care if it's an American woman. I don't care if it's overseas. And I understand the traditional values angle. I do because the modern American woman in many respects has become insufferable. It's just a reality of the times. Just make sure that if you're investing in someone, they're the real deal and they're investing in you. Don't rush it. Make sure that you're, you, and then once you, once you decide that, yeah, it all feels good, go for it. Whatever, whatever floats your boat, man. All right. We got one, five Canadian dollars from Jean-Michael Julian, I hope I get that right. I always feel like I butcher it. But <laughs> if I had all the stuff she was talking about, I would want to stay home too. Talking oh, you mean about. all that stuff? Yeah. You know, the $500,000 car. Mm. Okay. Yeah, we got one from Alvin Sam, $5. These women are why the financial literacy gap, not the wage gap, exists. Empirical data backs this up. Mm. <laughs> okay. Uh, one from Miguel Nino. Five, $10. The problem with the 50-50 mentality is the soonest that women don't like something from her husband, she feels that she doesn't need him anymore. Well, that's true. And you, women, men don't like to, to not feel needed. No one likes to feel like you're fine without them, right? So why not just embrace the differences and, and then everybody feels like they bring something unique to the table. Why? Why has it got to be like everything's got to be, oh, you do 50, no, I do 50, and we're like, you know, equal partners. And uh, No, you're not because you're not the same right? You're not the same. You're different. That's the beauty of a man and a woman forming a union and having a child. They're different. That is the beauty. Okay. Uh, $5 free from the plantation. I, as a guy, can't be on an attractive woman being into me. Otherwise it's entitlement, but a woman can expect this and that's not entitlement. That's right. Entitlement. Is there a double standard there? Good conversation. Uh, got one from Luke Casely, uh, $25. These financially unsavvy young ladies also expect a maid service to do the cleaning in their fairy tale little mansions. Well, that's the thing, too. Stay at home mom used to mean one thing, and now it's meaning something different. And that happens where, you know, they say, oh, I want to be a stay at home mom. And when that, what that used to mean, at least to me and my, I grew up in Staten Island, you know, outside of New York, and Brooklyn and what that meant is that the mom stayed home and wanted to be with her child 
right? Like my mom stayed home with me for many years in the early, um, when I was young. Um, I don't think she went back to work until I was like seven, I want to say. She wanted to be with me, but she did everything. There was no one else. Yeah, we, I had grandparents that would come and I would, you know, stay with them maybe for an hour here and there if she had to run to an appointment or whatnot. But my mom was cooking and she was cleaning and she was taking care of the house and she was sticking me in the stroller and taking me out. Maybe we go to the mall one day. Maybe we go to the park one day. Maybe we go to grandma and grandpa's one. She was in it. You know, she was a full-time mom. And she would come home and make the dinner and juggle the t- And that's what she wanted to do. She wanted to be a mom more than anything else. And now it seems you have women say, well, I want to be a stay-at-home mom. And really what that means is they just they don't want to work, but they also don't want to do anything else. I want to be a stay-at-home mom with a $500,000 car and a live-in maid and a nanny and a personal trainer. And it's like, well, so you, did you want to be a mom? Do you see the kid? I, I know women in New York City, this is not a joke. This is not an exaggeration, who, don't, who are stay-at-home moms, but they don't see their kids for like seven, eight hours a day. I'm like, what, what are you doing? Well, I have to do, you know, I want to go shopping and, you know, I had to go to the trainer and I had a doctor's appointment. And then I had to stop by and, and, and have a lunch with a friend where we're thinking of maybe like, maybe we want to like do a jewelry line. I don't know. And where was the kid all day? Oh, the nanny and the au pair and the, you know, the housekeeper. And then I'm like, so then be honest about that. To me, that's not a stay at home mom. That's something else. I, I don't know what's going on there. Odd to me. Just saying. Okay. All right. We got a few more. We got uh, $5 from Free from the Plantation again. These funds in your pockets are the telescreens from 1984. People know they track, listen, conform to you. And we do this by choice, Orwellian and truly. Mm. If, you, if you like Orwellian topics, wait till, you, wait till we get to the last one. Just wait to see what's going on from the Matrix. Holy mother. Okay. Uh, five dollars. Like, <laughs> looks like what am I doing here? <laughs> five dollars from KS. Uh, it is average. It is an average salary cars like Ford or Chevy, high end. Another point: the father has to represent physically and mentally. Yep, that's true. That's true. Then one from John Michael Julian again. Uh, five Canadian dollars. Thank God I'm old enough that I know how it feels to be raised by actual parents and not let the left propaganda. Mm, there you go. Okay. Keep it up. We're going to check back in with the chat. I have to talk to you about Emirata. Who knows who Emirata is here? Mm-hmm, I do. You know, I didn't know who Emirata was until I watched the Blurred Lines video a few years back. Has to be a while back now. And she was just naked in that video. Boobs out. Just, I mean, I'm not talking like she was in a skimpy bikini. Naked. And that's really what put her on the map. I don't know if you've seen that video. You can still go see an uncensored version. Don't do it now, please, because we have other stuff that we want to show you. Don't worry. We're going to go to her Instagram. It's going to get... Don't worry. Stick around. But she was in that video, naked. And it was interesting because I see this conversation with her. And she's talking to Drew Afwalo. She has this podcast now. And she's talking about how her body isn't an object. And I was like, well, isn't that the naked girl from the Blurred Lines video? <laughs> Who would have thunk? All right, so I'm going to play this. Uh, I'm going to play this interview. We're going to go through it part by part. There's two sections actually that are fascinating: one about gender, and one about body imagery. And then we're going to take a peek at her Instagram. So let's start. You see that YouTube link, Malik? We're just going to yeah. play that, and I'm going to stop and go throughout it. Gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
you want their approval, mm -hmm. right? At the end of the day is what it is. And so unpacking your own internalized misogyny is the most freeing feeling in the world. We, yeah. We're all born pygmies as mm -hmm. women, feminine presenting people, we were all born a pygmy. Mm -hmm. It's not our fault if we're born that way, but it is our fault if we die that way. Yes, so you have to unlearn it. Once you unlearn and let it go, mm -hmm. it won't matter. Let's pause there just quickly. Big. So just know what she's saying. We did the pick me thing. We had this conversation. But isn't it interesting? You have to unlearn your desire to appeal to men. You have to unlearn. I'm say that one more time. You have to unlearn your desire to appeal to men. So if you're a girl in life, going through life, and you ultimately want a husband, you want a family, you want a child, Again, you have to unlearn your natural inclination, which is, yeah, I, I want men to, to find me attractive because I would like to get married. I, I, I enjoy attention from men. I'm a female. I'm attracted to men. You have to unlearn that so that what? You either walk through life as if men don't exist or you spite them. Don't forget. You spite them by repelling them and purposely being unattractive to them because somehow that's supposed to be empowerment when you wind up alone. That's what she's saying. Does that advice help people? Let's keep going. Proponent of like body neutrality. Mm -hmm. So like just the body is what it is. It mm -hmm. exists to keep me alive and keep yeah. me happy and healthy. And that's it. I see it as like the shell. It's just the shell that holds the most important parts of you. It has nothing. I'd rather feel nothing towards my body at all mm -hmm. than feel like anything radical, whether it's good or bad. I'd rather it just be like, it is what it is. It just exists and that's it. That's what I've Okay, so last, let's like, pause that and then we're going to get to Amrata. <laughs> Too much. This sounds like a body cop-out to me. First of all, taking pride in your body is a beautiful thing. Your body, she uses the word healthy. Your body can't be healthy if certain things aren't going on that should be going on. For example, if, if someone were an overweight person, if they were overweight, if they were obese in any way, that is not synonymous with healthy. So now we live in this world where you can't call a spade a spade. You can't say obesity is unhealthy. You can't say that person's really fit. They're taking care of themselves. They're watching what they put into their body. And by the way, this isn't just about fitness. This is about the food you eat. This is about the fuel that you intake. This is about your desire to get out and get some sunshine. This is about working out. Somehow now it's bad to take pride in your body. That sounds like a cop-out to me. That sounds like it's coming from somebody who's not happy with their physical image and as a result has decided that they're just going to have a neutral at well it's it's not where, where i want it to be it's 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 not it's not going to help me I, i'm not going to do anything about it so let's just pretend it's not important we all know that it is important because what goes on on the outside of your body is a reflection also of what's going on in the inside so if you're obese your internal organs are being taxed we know that obesity is a cause of of chronic illness we know these are just facts this is not to pick on anyone or say anything but we know that taking care of yourself and, you know, taking pride in what you put into your body food-wise and whatnot has value. And you should. You, you know when you go for a workout, everybody out there know, if you don't work out for a week or something, then you go and you, you feel good. You feel those endorphins running. You feel good about yourself. That sweat, you get that detoxification. By the way, if you don't exercise, you can't detox properly. So we know these things. There's people who know about health know these things. And now we're somehow trying to minimize pride in your body. Why? Why? Because the matrix wants everyone to feel like, oh, you're all beautiful no matter what. Don't hurt anybody's feelings. It's all that woke nonsense that ultimately leaves people less healthy and feeling less good about themselves. Because feeling neutral about your body isn't as good as feeling great about it. And they know that. They know that. It's by design. 
Okay, let's keep going. A couple years, it's yeah. just like, oh my God, this is a vessel that takes me through, that makes it, me able to experience life. And that's really all it is. It's not an object, it's yeah. not a commodity, it's not all these things. It's, and you had a baby. Yeah, that really helped me, honestly. Yeah. It was one of the things that made me be like, oh, this is a body, this is a beautiful thing that is so like ancient. It's like yeah. ancient machinery that's been perfected with evolution. Yeah. And I'm lucky to exist inside of it. And I'm not going to treat it like it's something that only exists to be perceived. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's Amorata. Let me remind you of the quote she said. I'll just say it again. It's not an object, she says about her body. It's not an object. And I'm not going to treat it as something that only exists to be perceived. That was interesting to me. Now, all I, I don't really follow her, but I did know she was naked in the Blurred Lines video, and I'm guessing she wasn't naked for herself. I'm guessing she knew that being naked in that video was going to attract people and was going to boost her career. So other people were going to perceive her, in her own words, as she just said, naked in that video, and they were going to maybe, oh, let's give her a contract to do this or that. So I decided I wanted to go to her Instagram. Because I wanted to see what the girl who was saying her body was not an object and I'm not going to treat it as something that only exists to be perceived. I wanted to see what she was putting out there. Maybe the Blurred Lines video wasn't an accurate reflection. So I did some digging. All right, so let's go through, and I separated these by before pregnancy, pregnancy, and then since the baby, because she makes a point of saying she just had a baby and things are different. Okay, let's take a look before on her Instagram. We're going to go one by one. We're going to flash these on the screen. Let's just take a look at some of what she posts. Can you flash these, Malik? Okay, yeah. let's start with the first one. Okay, there she is. Hmm, interesting. Okay, let's go to the next. This is a video. We can play it. This is directly from her. Oh, this does this look like somebody who says her body is not an object? Just keep that in the back of your mind as we play. Let's go to the third one. This is just a sample. There's a lot like this. You could, you could go on the Instagram and just keep pulling them, pulling them. Okay, let's go to the next one. Oh, look at that. Interesting. Okay, let's go to the next one. Ah, oh, that's a butt cheek right there. Okay, keep going. See-through top. Okay. All right, now we're going to go to the ones Then I looked. Oh, here she is pregnant. Okay, let's go again. Let's keep flipping pregnant again. A lot of nude pregnant shots. Interesting. Why? Why all naked? Okay, let's go. In the, oh, there we go. All naked. Okay, and now I said to myself, all right, she makes a point of saying, since the baby, there was like a transition for her since the baby. She says it in the Drew Follow exchange. So I said, okay, let's go see what's going on since the baby. So let's go to that last section. This is a little video from Halloween. There she is, since the baby. Oh, interesting. Let's see. Oh, it looks like underwear. Cheeks just out. Hmm, interesting. Okay, next one. Now, this this does have the baby in it, but there she is in her underpants. Now, I, I'm going to venture a guess and say she didn't want your eye to go to the baby on this video, or she would have just been in pants. She's in there, sexualized in the underwear, and it's like, oh, look, here I am, morning routine with my baby. She knows what you're looking at. She knows what the guys are looking at. She knows how she made her career and what people expect to see on her Instagram page. Let's go to the next one. Okay. I think that's also, that may be a, a throwback. She may be pregnant in that one. I'm not sure. And then the last one is, let's see. Oh, look. Doesn't your eye just go right to whatever's in that can? Doesn't it, guys? Women. Even me. I'm a female. I'm not attracted to women. And my eye goes right to a certain part, and it's not the can. So that's Emirata. So bottom line is that how does somebody who says 
my body is not an object. How does somebody who says I'm not going to treat it as something that only exists to be perceived behave this way? Because it's all nonsense. She knows that her entire career exists because she put her body, beautiful body, front and center. She knows that without that, what, where would she be if she didn't do any of that? Where would she be if she hadn't done the Blurred Lines video? Where would she be if she hadn't had all the, you know, the Instagram stuff and done all the stuff? She's always, this is always like covered with her hands. Where would she be? Would, would she still have the following that she has if she hadn't done any of that? No, she would not because she made her career about being a sexual object. She made her career about caring about how people perceive her sexually. She made her whole Instagram about it. She made her whole career about physical beauty and about caring that people would find that attractive and be clicking on it and be staring at it and, and, and loving it and oh yeah. She made that decision. So own it, honey. Own it. I don't begrudge you that. You have the freedom. You're a beautiful girl. You have the freedom to do whatever you want. You have the freedom to, to make these videos and hypersexualize. And of course you do. But how ridiculous if you have all these pictures up and in the same breath you're talking about how you're, oh, your body's not an object and, you know, oh, we just have to fight this desire, you know, I'm not going to treat it as something that only exists to be perceived. So why not just take those photos? If it's all about you, you're not worried about how the world perceives you, why didn't you take all those pictures in the privacy of your own home and not post them? Why? If it's not about being perceived, why are they public? Answer. I know I act like she can answer me on the podcast. You never know. Someone in the chat, weigh in. Do you, I mean, is it me? <laughs> is it me or have the synapses in certain modern women's brains not touched? What's going on? This is the deception of the modern woman. This is the deception, particularly of the modern celebrity woman. Because it's like separate set of rules for thee, but not for me. It's like they're able to see everything except when it, when it affects their own life and when it involves their own behaviors. And it's a complete and total lack of self-awareness. And is the message here, by the way, to women, to young women out there, do all this and then go out and spew some ridiculous talking point as if you hadn't done all this and you'll just make up for it? Oh, yeah, just hypersexualize yourself, put it, lay it all out, cheeks out, boobs out, lay it all out, and then just get on a podcast and say, my body's not an object. Men objectify me. I'm not going to treat it as something that exists to be perceived. And it's like, okay. You, you like a, a good day's work check don't worry no that is not the message the message is own your behavior own your actions take responsibility and accountability for them and don't be the person that gets on a podcast and says something so unbelievably ridiculous given the choices you've made in your life emirata come on come on okay let's check back in the chat quickly and then we're going to get to um oh wait no i have to get to the rest of the video first i have to guys Okay, let's keep playing it, Malik. It's too good. Emretta? Uh, yeah, we're going to keep playing it from where we... Do you have it where we stopped? Yeah. Or Okay, cool. Let's keep going. So it was about yeah. a minute in. Being healthy. It was after the second break. Yeah, it was after the second break. I have one more thing in there. When men are like, you need to take her out of her masculine energy and put her in her feminine energy. With that, that idea is a fallacy to me, personally, because I... Gender is a construct. 
Uh, like there are so many minority people that were forced to adhere to a gender binary because of colonization, white supremacy, all of that stuff. And I, a lot of times they hate when I talk about it. I'm like, see, you don't want to hear me be smart because you aren't ready for that conversation for me, babe. But like white supremacy is in, embedded in so many different cultures. So when you talk about taking a woman out of her masculine energy, they're almost always equating masculinity to being self-sufficient, to being independent, to being financially independent, to being okay with being alone, mm -hmm. to, like to just like, I don't know, existing as a man, whatever right. that may be. And they're like feminine energy is you being codependent. So let's stop there. Um, leave it where it is. I don't remember if I want to do more, but we'll check back in. Gender is a construct. This is the new line from the left, from the modern feminist movement. Why? Well, because if it's a construct, that means they're essentially saying, oh, it's, it's society that decides what gender is. And what they don't want you to do is to derive from biology that there are two genders, right? Biologically, you have men and women. They want to disconnect biology from gender so that everything is fluid, right? If gender is, is uh, informed by society, then there could be 60 genders today, and maybe in 10 years, there'll be 80. And maybe in 50 years, there'll be like gazillion genders because it's not grounded in anything. That, of course, is utterly ridiculous because gender is grounded in biology and the fact that men are men and women are women. But that is what we're battling, right? You have facts versus fiction. And it's manifesting in numerous areas, whether it's political, cultural, or whatnot. Now, she talks about masculine energy. Masculine energy is driven by testosterone. Masculine energy is driven by the unique balance of hormones that exist in a man that don't exist in a woman. In a woman. Female and feminine energy are driven by feminine hormones, a unique combination of hormones that exist in women that do not exist in men. That's why men are men and women are women, because we have different hormonal concoctions that make us up. So that masculine energy is derived from biological components. So when she's talking about, oh, take a woman out of her masculine energy, what she's talking about, by the way, are those boss babes. She's talking about those women that go against, by the way, their feminine nature. They do. And they're like, I got to be a man. I got to be like a man. I got to compete in a man's world. Right? So they come out and they're like, you know, they're not thinking about family. They become less nurturing. They become more promiscuous in some ways, or they become completely buried in work. They're like, I want to be that CEO. They harden themselves to where they can hard, be so hard that they can navigate the intricacies of that corporate ladder. They lose touch with their feminine side because that softness gets in the way of career advancement. They do whatever they can to be like a man, to compete in a man's world. You've got to become a man. They do whatever they can to follow that mantra. And that is what she's talking about when she says masculine energy. That masculine energy is not natural to women. That is not an energy that's driven by biology or testosterone. That's not what's happening there. That is an energy that women are taking on or trying to take on because they want to they wanna, they wanna fit in with the modern world, right? They want to try to be that. They want to try to make that happen. So do you see where the confusion lies? They don't have, ma women don't have masculine energy naturally. That, my friend, is societal. That component is societal. The fact that two genders exist is not societal. That is derived from biology. The fact that you now have women going against their nature and acting like men because they have to compete in a man's world and act like a man to do that is society. That is your construct. 
you understand the difference there? I know, it's, I know there's a fine line here, but these people just want to ignore the differences between men and women in basic biology. They just do. And they want you to believe that it's natural for women to follow that path. And it's not. It's not natural to have that competitive. Um, it's just not. Because we don't have the testosterone for that. It's not the same. I'm not saying women can't be competitive in the workplace and women can't, you know, climb a ladder and women can't succeed. I'm not saying any of that. But what I am saying is that if you tear that work-life balance away from women and you tear their peace from them and you tear the, the comforts of having that balance away from them, you're going to wind up with a lot of women that are working really hard and miserable because our hormones are commanding something different. And if you look at a woman's monthly cycle, you'll even see as it relates to working out that I, I covered this on the show once where testosterone is much more steady and female hormones are like this. They're crazy. So at certain times a month, if you work with a good trainer, they will know that a woman is going to be more tired. Like she's not going to be able to do, perform the same way at this time of the month as this time of the month. Guys aren't like that. They are driven by testosterone. That's why they're so much more competitive generally. That's why they're so much more ambitious generally when it comes to money and all of those things. And that's why they're more level, right? Because there's not all of this going on from biology. So gender is not a construct. Gender is not a construct. Gender is derived from biology. Men and women are different. What is a construct now is this messaging that comes in through media and modern feminism and all that in women's ears constantly, constantly, constantly that you've got to act like a man to compete in a man's world. And so they get this false, societally acquired masculine energy that often makes them very uncomfortable. And it's just a reality. Listen, I, you don't have to agree with me, but I guarantee you, you can think of people in your life that you know that fit the mold here. And I know because I was in that world. I was on that climb, right? I was so not wired for that, that I was able to create that balance in my own life because I really just didn't, truthfully, I hate to say it, but I just didn't want to work that hard. I didn't want to beat myself into the ground working. I remember when I left, I was, I was a good student. I liked being in school. It was social for me and I, I liked it. I liked being a student. And I remember when I got out and I got, my first corporate job and I didn't want a corporate job and I remember my dad being like oh this is great you know you got the 401k and all this and I went and I was like mm -mm, I don't want it and I remember they would come to me I actually remember an opportunity where the CEO came to me and said I have this great opportunity for you to you know you could work x amount of hours you can make this amount of money and I was like I don't want to do that it's, it sounds very stressful <laughs> honest truth and I left that job and I went and my job that I took after that was I was an outdoor waitress in Rockefeller Center at Rock Center Cafe and I was outside and I was hanging out and I was like, this is better. This is calmer. I was much happier. Everyone thought I was nuts. I was much happier. I was much more at peace. And people say, well, what about the media climb? That a lot of what I am doing right now, I fell into by mistake. <laughs> And we'll, we'll, do a, we'll do a session on that uh, once because I think people see me at the mic and they're like, well, how could she be saying this? And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm saying it because in many respects I got very lucky, but you don't know how many things I turned down because I didn't want the stress. And you don't know how many, I oftentimes just said no to travel. I'm not doing any travel. There were a lot of opportunities I didn't take because I was like, travel is stressful for me. I don't want to do it. I'm not doing it. 
So you don't remember, you see me sitting here, but there's a lot you don't know about what went on behind the scenes. I remember when I got the job at The View, my friend Lauren will remember this, maybe she's listening. I called her and I said, and I got the reason I took the job at The View, by the way, not to sidetrack on this, but the reason I took the job at The View was because I was like, oh, I'll talk pop culture. It'll be less politics. It'll be easier. Truthfully, I thought it was going to be way easier than politics. But I remember calling my friend Lauren and I said, I don't know if I want to work five days a week. That's a lot. I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> and she was like, and we were laughing because who would have that conversation in the TV world? Everyone was like, more work, more. And I was like, I need my life work, work-life balance because I knew that as a female, there was something that I started to miss from my peace when I didn't have it. Just saying. Okay. Um, also, just so you know, I don't know if you saw I Am A Woman. Uh, well, What Is A Woman? Sorry, by Matt Walsh. Did you guys see that you should, in the chat? You should. By the way, if you haven't seen it, you should. He goes to this African tribe, by the way, and he has these conversations with them about like gender and, and all this stuff. And they're like, dude, what are you even talking about? He's like, what are you even talking about? Like it was first world problems. So we have to ask ourselves if a lot of what's going on in this country is first world problems. Like if you're trying to figure out like how to put food on the table and you're really, you know, struggling in, in ways that really matter, would we be having these conversations, media doing this and that, trying to talk about fluidity and that? Is it a first world problem issue? Because you see this stuff blowing up in the United States. Then you go, you, you should watch the part where he goes to the African tribe and he's the, the guy's like, I'm a man, that's a woman. And like, why, what do you talk like, done? Want to talk about something else? <laughs> you know, and it's, it's actually quite fascinating uh, to see the discrepancy. Okay. Let's go to let's go to the chat quickly, and then I'm going to go to the last two quick topics. I might be going over today. I don't know. I'm not conscious. But yeah, we'll go over by a few minutes, but not too much. Okay, chat. All right, time. we got one from Real Pepto Bismol, ten dollars. I have fifty fifty custody of my kids in West Virginia. Insurance, sports, school supplies, etc., are split down the middle as well. I still have to pay a ridiculous amount of child support. Does this make sense? That's a great conversation. That. Uh, there was a great clip um, from Rolo, Rolo Tomasi and Justin Waller, and I think it was Michael Sartain were talking about marriage as it relates to men. And Rolo was saying how much he supports and the institution of marriage as it should be, but the concerns about what it's become for men. I'll see if I can get that clip and we can cover it on the show to tap into some of what you were just talking about. Good points. All right. Got one from John Michael June again, 20 Canadian dollars. Modern women always have the body, always their body is not an object, but if we prove them otherwise with because of their behavior, we are either body shaming or misogynist. And don't worry, you don't butcher my name that much. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like, it's, it's, suddenly, it's like the OnlyFans segment we did the other day. They were like, oh, you're objectifying me. I was like, honey, hmm? who objectified you? Who obje- you me or you? Let's be, let's be real for a hot minute. Uh, we got one from Michael Shazowski, $5. Why do you think misandry is allowed and seems to be praised, but misogyny is the worst thing to happen? Because, well, let's let's just say outright first are bad, right? The actual definitions of those words, not, you know, the media definitions. Now it's like everybody's a misogynist just because, you know, they, they need to label you something, and that's the, the word of the moment. Um, but it's because... You know, misogyny is something that because media media enjoys man hating is the bottom line. They do. They enjoy it. You have panels of women all the time laughing. Ha ha ha. What a moron. We did that the other day. If it's like, oh, my husband's such an idiot. You know, ha ha ha. Everybody claps. 
media, film, television, they enjoy man-hating, right? It's, it's like a sign of the, cool, of the times. It's cool if you, like, hate on men. Oh, men are dumb. They're incompetent. They're useless. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, what a bunch of dummies. I don't know why I ever got married. You know, they say all that stuff. It's glorified now, right? If you, if you said that about women, it would be horrible. Media would have a nervous breakdown. Now, you shouldn't say that stuff about women, but you shouldn't say it about men either, right? So you, you're condoning one. You're condoning the man-hating. And at the same time, calling everybody a misogynist. It's just a media double standard. It happens all the time, sadly. I got one from Scrobaka, $5. Someone should let that woman know that even without colonization or wars, males made up the warrior class in every civilization. Well, we're going to talk about that in a second because James Cameron disagrees with you. Just wait for it. This is, this is really too much, what I'm about to share with you. All right. And last one from Luke Casely, $25. These cradle-to-grave feminists are taught in school that men should not look at them, even if she were to walk completely naked on the streets. Yeah, you can't look. And she's not, by the way, she's not doing it for you. She's not doing it for you. She's walking stark naked out there on the street for herself, honey. (laughs) (sighs) Okay, so you mentioned the warrior class. I'm so glad you brought that up. Oh, yes. James Cameron testosterone is toxic i don't know does he have low t is something going on there james cameron says pregnant women being shown as hunters and warriors in avatar is a step forward for female empowerment oh okay so let's look at the article it says here cameron offered his insight in this interview series at one point during their talk after recalling how during his viewing of the avatar sequel he was really taken by the fact that zoe saldana hunts while she's pregnant and had noticed one of the characters goes into battle pregnant this person a robert rodriguez asks cameron why was that important everybody's always talking about female empowerment he says but what is such a big part of a woman's life that we as men don't experience? And I thought, well, if you're really going to go all the way down the rabbit hole of female empowerment, let's have a female warrior who is six months pregnant in battle. I mean, can you believe this madness? He says it doesn't happen in our society. Probably hasn't happened for hundreds of years. But I guarantee you, he says, back in the day, women had to fight for survival and protect their children. And it didn't matter if they were pregnant. And pregnant women are more, this is the best, and pregnant women are more capable of being a lot more athletic than we as a culture acknowledge. So this guy, listen, I don't know what's going on with him. It sounds to me like he's he's lost his mind. His mind has been taken over by the woke. I mean, are we sure Bill Gates didn't put a chip in there or something? Then I'm not. Something's going on there. So I would ask you, first of all, who wants to see a pregnant woman as a hunter and, and, and on the front lines of the battlefield. Anyone, show of hands in, in, in the chat. No one, only sane people in the chat. Who wants to see that? Why? Is now the woke talking point that in the name of woke, to protect the woke, we would actually want to endanger babies grown inside a mama's belly. Children are now sacrificed at the hand of the woke. Well, we know that to be true as we see with a lot of what's gone on with the the surgeries and medications being given to children in the name of gender dysphoria, which oftentimes is not gender dysphoria at all. We see that, right? But can you imagine that they think that it's a sign of female empowerment to have pregnant women? So women who are, let's face it, first of all, we have the idea of women being on the front lines of battle. Women are smaller than men. Women are weaker than men. Women don't have the testosterone that men have. Women don't have the lung capacity that men have. Women's hearts are not. It's just, we're just not as strong physically. We are not as strong physically. 
So that's mistake number one. But let's say you do have those women out there and whatever, front lines. Now you want pregnant women. So does he know nothing about pregnant women? So I was pregnant, so let me educate him a little bit. When you are pregnant, you are not at your peak level of athleticism, James. You are building a person. So you know what I remember being pregnant? And I always worked out. And I, by the way, had a trainer that I hired for the second and third trimester to work with me because I wanted to be active, but I didn't want to do anything that was going to hurt the baby. And you have to be very careful about things like squats. You have to be careful about bouncing. There are things that you have to be on guard about. One thing I noticed, by the way, when I was pregnant, my oxygen sucked. I felt like I had no air. I was like, I, I'm not, I have, I'm typically so athletic. And I remember my trainer who was a specialist in that area saying, your oxygen and your energy is going toward the baby. Like, it's not uncommon for women to feel like you're like out of breath walking up the stairs or, so does he not, I mean, has he never encountered any pregnant woman ever in life at all? How ridiculous that you would think, you know, pregnant women, and I had a great pregnancy, pregnant women get more tired, pregnant women, you know, sometimes you got the morning sickness, you got a lot going on in your body. You are building a human being. Literally, hands, toes, little eyes. I mean, you are making a person. Battle ready? No, honey. No. And honestly, how disgusting is it? Really, I don't know what to say, that it really disgusts me that you would think it's a sign of female empowerment, that you would put a character that's pregnant in a danger zone. Whatever happened to protect the women and children? Are we not allowed to say that anymore? Because that was a societal premise for so long. Right? You can see it. You watch the movie Titanic. Women and children get in the boats first. Why is that? Because children are the most vulnerable and women are the second most vulnerable and are there to protect the child. And if there's going to be a problem, the guys are there because the guys are the strongest. They're the biggest. They're the strongest. They're the most able to handle physical calamity. Do we have to unlearn all facts now just to please these woke imbeciles? I mean, this is getting ridiculous. Pregnant characters in the front. Are we incentivizing that now? I would love to ask him. Are you hoping that the military picks up this, sees Avatar and gets inspired? Maybe we can have a whole line of pregnant women getting into the military and pregnant, they can go to the first lines of combat. I would love to see what this guy would say. I mean, really, how unbelievably disgusting to be living in. Honestly, can you, is there, does anybody have my DeLorean yet that I can get out of 2022? Pack up my husband and my child and go back to some other time where people weren't so deranged. And, you know, we laugh and people say, I see people going in and say, oh, Avatar is so great. I wonder how many people didn't even pause to realize the severity of what this guy's saying, that messaging out there. You know, people are going to see that. And, you know, this is all brainwashing, right? And they feel like, ah, oh, yes, it's so empowering. And what happens if I'm guessing that in, in, in the movie, you don't have, you know, any sort of harm happen to that pregnant that baby in the womb but in reality that very well could happen and I know you say oh it's a movie it's a movie yeah. <laughs> mm. culture informs life these days we all know that so this was absolutely insane to me can you imagine sacrificing children female empowerment what does that even mean to you this guy James Cameron. I, I got to be embarrassed that I watched The Terminator now because now I got to know that this guy was behind it. How did this guy, did he have some type of split personality? Something happened to him? How does the guy that creates The Terminator turn into this? Something went wrong, man. Are we sure Bill Gates didn't get involved in some way? I'm just saying. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but you know, sometimes you got to ask questions. That's all I'm saying. All right. The second topic that I want to get to, and this is the last one, and then we're going to check in with the chat before we close out for today. I know I'm going a little bit long, but this is an important show. 
So climate change, I've talked to you a lot about this. This is important. Please stick around for this. I know some people are into the dating and some people are into the politics. This is very, very important because this stuff is happening. It's happening right now. And it's an Orwellian rule. It's, it's already invaded Britain, okay? Peter Sweden has a substack, and he talks about it. And there is a mobility restriction rule happening right now in Britain. Check this out. And this is from um, that first link under number five, Malik. It says they will be dividing the city of Oxford into six different zones, and people will only be given a limited number of times that they will be allowed to cross between the zones in their car. They will monitor you. All residents will be forced to register their car with the council. Number plate recognition cameras set up in the city will monitor how many times you leave your zone. In fact, private cars will be banned altogether from crossing between the zones unless you buy a permit, which will allow you a maximum of 100 crossings per year. Oh, how generous, he says. Peter's hilarious. Those without a permit, or if you drive between the zones after having reached your limit of 100 crossings, you will be fined 70 euros per crossing. I'm guessing that's about 70 bucks. This is all being done in the name of climate change, aiming to stop people from taking unnecessary journeys and force people to walk or take the bus instead. These climate zones will turn Oxford into a 15-minute city. 15-minute city, remember that, with the plan of forcing people to walk. So essentially what they want to do is they're saying, they're coming out and saying, oh, there's too much traffic. That's bad. Number one, that's bad for the environment. That's what they're saying. We're going to get into tier two of this. That's bad for the environment. So we want to force people, force them to either have to walk or to have to take public transportation or to have to find another way. Maybe they get on a bike. So you're going to be penalized, penalized if you make a decision that you would rather take your car beyond a certain point. They've given you, you know, the authoritarians have given you a certain number of times that you can go in and out of the zone. And when you, being the little baby, the infantilized baby that you are, when you pass that, you get a fine. You have to pay up because the only way that they can get you to actually care about these issues is to punish you. Because people aren't plugged into the issue of climate change. It's not keeping them up at night despite what the woke left is telling you. It's not. Babies aren't crying out in the middle of the night in their sleep. Oh, climate change. No, that's a talking point. So I, I looked into this. And what was interesting is that the 15-minute city rule actually originates from the World Economic Forum. And Peter actually does a nice job of linking to, I'm trying to see if I put that link in there for you. I don't know if I did. What is that second link I put in there for you, Malik? Uh, it's I put the video one? for it. It's the video. Okay. I have the old form here. So let's just go to that video. Just You can click it, and we're going to just play it. This is from the World Economic Forum. Let's just take a quick listen. So the idea that we can build neighborhoods where everything we need, or most of the things we need in our lives, uh, can be reached very quickly. You can describe it as an isochrone. An isochrone is an area that you can reach within Okay. The name. So I just wanted to show you that this 15-minute city that you now see in pop-up in Oxford was talked about at the World Economic Forum. Can you do me a favor, Malik? I don't know if you can do this. Can you Google 15-minute city and show the – are you able to show the audience what pops up on the screen when you do that? Just Google 15 – do you have it, 15-minute city? Yep. Okay. Look at all the mentions of 15-minute city. You can scroll down. 15-minute city, 15-minute – all of these different places are suddenly considering talking about the idea of a 15-minute city. I did a, a search last night. I don't remember if I was on Google or DuckDuckGo. I can't remember, but probably Google. All of these different places coming up. So that's interesting. How odd that there's a talking point that arises from the World Economic Forum linked to climate change. And there's a second video, by the way, I have that I didn't put in there that talks explicitly about how the goal here is to reduce – uh, contributing factors to climate change. 
the World Economic Forum comes out with something and suddenly you see all of these cities popping up that are either implementing a 15-minute rule uh, or are contemplating implementing this 15-minute city or are talking about this 15-minute city. Now, one other thing, one other layer here, Peter doesn't address, but because it's, I don't know, he's pretty controversial, but let's, let's do it. Let's say it. How interesting that they want to set up these, what sounds like these little zones where everything is, right? These little different distinct zones where you have everything you need in that zone. Like you've got your grocery store, your pharmacy, your bank. Well, isn't that interesting? Because if a terrible tragedy happened, like a pandemic, wouldn't those little zones be perfect little quarantine zones? Look at how that all worked out. And you would be able to find people for not for leaving their zone because maybe they would be contagious or something, or you would be able to you would be able to do a lot of stuff in the name of authoritarianism to control people's movement if you had these little zones set up, primarily in the name of climate change. Because remember, everything is like, oh, we're here to do something good for everybody. And secondarily, it would just, it seems to me, could be a convenient mode for authoritarianisms to control your life. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying it struck me as a little bit odd, the fluidity that you could go from point A to B on that one. So bottom line is, do you believe that in the name of climate change, mobility restriction is a good idea? And do you believe people should be fined if they choose? I mean, this is just complete and total infringement on individual liberty. And people say, well, no, it's not, Jed. You could still go in the zone. You just have to walk. Well, I don't want an authoritarian government telling me how I have to move around. That's my response. Who gave you that authority to do that? To now be, to dictate to me that I need to go in that zone and do it by the means that you describe are acceptable. That's not going to work for me. And you say, oh, this could never happen in the United States. <laughs> it sure could. It sure could. I'm not saying it would happen across this, the whole country. But if you think New York City wouldn't be signing up for this, come now. You're not paying attention. You're not paying attention. Now, why do I bring this up? Again, I'm telling you, climate change is going to be the new fear tactic. It's going to show up in really uh, draconian stuff. It's going to fir- at first sound like they're trying to help you help yourself. Then it's going to turn into regulation. It's going to turn into mandates. It's going to turn into fines. And it's somehow going to be utilized in such a way that it's quarantine friendly, just in case another crisis emerges. You've been warned. You've been warned. Okay, let's go to the chat and then we'll close out for today. All right, we got one ten dollars from Super Blue. I lost track of you after you left Fox. I'm glad to see you have your own show now. You're doing a great job. And I have to say, red is really your color. Happy holidays. Thank you. And Merry Christmas to you. I always say Merry Christmas because I celebrate Christmas. All right, we got one from KS, $5. There will always be two genders no matter what generation. At the gym, the lady personal trainer said you will build muscle faster than me. <laughs> there you go. And we got one from Omega Ritsetsu, $5. Plato said that man is a fit. Featherless biped, diogenesis, ooh, wow. <laughs> uh, biped, diogenesis presents a raw chicken saying, behold a man to the left, a woman is anyone wearing a dress. There you go. Well, that was, he's really packing the words in there. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> and then uh, last one, Omega Ritetsu, $2. Uh, is Kim Jong-il the mayor of Oxford now? There you go. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe it's Klaus Schwab running the... I'm telling you, man, this World Economic Forum, it doesn't matter anymore. This is what I'm trying to tell you. 
doesn't matter who who is elected president, mayor. It doesn't even matter. It's coming from so far up now. You've got to go beyond that. And I don't know. Are people signing secret accords now that say that we'd be on board with this in the name of climate change? Are we part of it? I'll let you know. If I, I mean, I'm digging. Somebody asked me, by the way, the other day. They said, oh, I feel like you don't cover as much politics. I'm, I'm not covering like, oh, Nancy Pelosi made a mean comment about Mitch McConnell. I don't care. Nobody cares. Honestly, they're all so corrupt. It's nauseating. Where were all those Republicans when we really needed them the last two years? I'm not covering the, the, that nonsense, right? I'm going to leave that to cable news. and blah, blah. I want to cover this stuff. That's I'm, I'm covering the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab, and I'm covering you know mandates, and I'm covering accords that are secretly being signed, and some big pharma stuff. I'm covering stuff that, big picture stuff, that makes the little stuff look kind of ridiculous. So that's where we're headed. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Okay. Thank you all for being here today. Don't forget also hit that subscribe button, hit that like button. Remember your aura link is at the bottom. So if you want to sign on for aura, you have your code there to get that two week access for free. Find out how many of your passwords are on the dark web. I will be back here on Wednesday at 1 p.m. Behave yourself. See you then.